All right, Joe. Do you have a bet? We're going to see who can hold our breath the longest. Isn't this a great idea for a podcast? <laughs> Three, two, one. Give me a moment's peace and take out that trash. We pay taxes for people to come and take the garbage. Hey, listen, Greeny, no more sneaking rides to the junkyard. Yeah, man, take a taxi when you want to go to the junkyard. Hello and welcome back to Hot Trash Unlimited, the show where me, Caleb, and me, Joe, sit down or go to the theaters... Man, COVID really messed me up on this intro. Go to the theaters to see whether or not new movies will be hot trash. Joe, what did we see this week? We saw Don't Breathe 2. What do you want? You're coming with us, kid. Get the girl! It's not me you need to be scared of, little girl. But the man standing next to you. Now, I don't know who he is, but I know who he's not. Should I tell her or you? Hold that breath a little longer. A little bit more. So Joe, another hour and a half. So, Joe, you're the one who picked this movie. Um, yes. So why don't you start off by explaining your history with the Don't Breathe franchise? I saw Don't Breathe 1. When you just you only had to breathe, not breathe for an hour and a half instead of a three hour collective. Back in the easy days, <laughs> back in college at the uh, student theater in the student union, and I thought it was a pretty fun horror flick, like nice thriller, kept me at the edge of my seat. Had a good time with it. I later rewatched it with Caleb and our friend Alex, who guests multiple times on this episode. Might as well be the third honorary host. And we did not have as good of a time with it. No, uh, but I still look back on the movie fondly. I think it does a, do a good job being a pretty tense thriller at moments. Uh, but it has one unfortunate scene that drags, kind of just destroys the rest of the movie. I would say there are other problems with the movie besides that scene. That is the big scene. That's yes. the big standout. Like, oh, we, <laughs> we probably shouldn't have done this. I'd also say it overstays its welcome in regards to its premise and the cast isn't very good, but it really is that last scene. And so we're just going to spoil Don't Breathe 1 and we're, we'll spoil Don't Breathe 2 as well. As we do. Joe, you have a better, you've seen the movie multiple times and you have a better recollection of it. Can you explain to me not as much what happens? Explain that to the listener, but remind me why any of it happened. Okay, so Don't Breathe 1 follows a group of teens to 20-year-old, it, it they're, they're young adults. It really doesn't matter what their age is. And they kind of, they break into people's houses and steal stuff that they wouldn't know had gone missing. So it's like kind of petty crimes, even though it's breaking and entering. But then they find out, oh, we got, we got, we can do one big score to end it all at this blind guy's house. He's got like a load of money because he got paid out for some reason or another. And we don't have to do this ever again, which works out in their minds. They're like, okay, cool. We'll do this. So they go in at night to this guy's house. They like do chloroform on him or some kind of gas that's supposed to stop him from breathing. Not breathing. Just put him to sleep. Keep him asleep. They kill him. <laughs> that gas is called a lack of air. But it turns out, uh, I guess it doesn't affect him. And he immediately kills one member of the gang. And the next hour is uh, the girl and the guy trying to escape from him. So you, you spend like a solid 30 minutes running. It's nice and tense. Then you get to the basement. There's a girl chained up there. And you see this girl at the beginning of the movie, and you have no idea what's going on. Uh, this girl ran over Stephen Lang's daughter, who is the blind man. He was very mad about that. So he said since uh, she took him away, or she took his daughter away, that she's going to give him another one. So he artificially inseminated her, and she is pregnant. Uh, then he accidentally kills her, 
And he's like, no, you, you messed up my plan. And so he ties up the, the girl that's currently in the house and tries to artificially inseminate her. Uh, one thing leads to another. The other boy dies. The girl escapes. You think Stephen Lang has died. But it turns out, no, he got arrested, so he's still out there somewhere. Now we are in Don't Breathe too. Now, I should say, plot-wise, none of that has anything to do with this movie. Essentially, they are completely separate. Except that Don't Breathe 2 makes you want to root for... It wants you to root for Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang is now the protagonist instead of the antagonist. But anyone who is a big enough fan of this franchise will remember that this man, besides just all the weird stuff he does in this movie that makes him not so great of a person, also has over multiple years artificially raped this girl in the basement. Just one. And then attempted the second one. Yeah, yeah. I really don't think you should think about these movies like that much like that. I'm sorry, but if you put that in a movie, I'm going to think through it. I know, I know, I know. I don't agree with that scene. It's a bad scene. It's a bad scene that kind of ruins the movie. But uh, Yeah, it definitely ruins the movie. But I don't I, think either of these directors of uh, both of these movies want you to think too hard about the logic of them. I don't think that, I don't think the director of this movie wants you to think about the first one at all. However, what I will say is that that scene not only ruins the first movie, but ruins this one too. Because I'm not rooting for Stephen Lang. He is a bad person. But he knows it. That doesn't matter. He's asked for forgiveness. He believes in God now. He's still doing bad things. He still kidnaps a girl in this and lies to her and starts training her in weird the weird Detroit suburbs. Just going into it, knowing that he was going to be the protagonist of this one, I was not looking forward to it. Also, I think Stephen Lang is extremely annoying in these movies because he's talking like like Professor X from the end of Logan. <laughs> it's irritating. And then him with his wide eyes the whole time is just goofy looking to me. I think he does a pretty good job of being like a menacing presence enough, an entertaining menacing presence. He's a, an unstoppable killing machine, you know, can dig for an hour and a half. I'm sure He's I can. He's less unstoppable this movie. Well, yeah, but like when you're a human character, it's more interesting if you can be stopped because then there's more tension. But also, you don't want your villain to be able to be stopped. So it's just this weird flip. Yeah. It, the, the first movie did a better job like at the beginning before the uh, artificial insemination thing where it was kind of a gray area. These kids are doing bad things. Do they deserve to die? No. Well, does this guy deserve to get stolen from? Well, technically they are on his property. It, like, it does a better job when it's more gray about it. This is not that. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie where, like, logically, who should I root for? I'm I'm never rooting for anyone in any of these movies. You're rooting for the girl. Well, this y- yes, okay, that's the... F- so, in the first one, the teenagers are just annoying. And so, like, I should be rooting for them because they are the protagonists. But I don't care because I think they're all bad actors. And in this one... How dare you insult Jane Lovey from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Okay, they are bad in this. And in this one, there is a young child. And so I do automatically want nothing bad to happen to her. But I don't... At the same time, it's not enough to get me invested in the movie. But do you want to explain, or do you want me to, since you explained the last one, what's happening in Don't Breathe 2? Yeah, you go for this one. So, he has gotten his daughter through unethical yet slightly less unethical means. Okay. Um, well, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dive into yes. that. What he says is that there was a fire at their house. He, he is telling this daughter that he is her father. There is a fire at their house. Their mother did not make it. And because of that, 
there are no like family records or photos or whatever, but also he's super protective. So he's like homeschooling her and training her to like have survival skills. Mm -hmm. What actually happens is that there was a couple who were meth dealers and there real was real breaking bad situation. Yeah, yeah. And there was a fire in their lab and she escaped the fire. The husband got arrested. The mother, we don't really know what happens to her other than that she got some internal damage because of the chemicals at the lab. Um, but we don't know where she was for the eight years in between. And so little girl goes stumbling out of the fire and Stephen Ling just finds her in the abandoned streets of Detroit because apparently police don't exist in this universe. I assume this it takes Detroit. I assume this takes place post uh, the forever purge <laughs> um, because that's the only way any of this makes sense. We get used to the status quo of... Uh, Stephen Lang training this girl. And then we are introduced to the father. We don't know that's the father yet, but in his band of Mary, creepy, dishonorably discharged veterans. You gotta mention that they are proud of being dishonorably discharged. And then they go into the house and half of the, half of the movie is them in the house trying to get the daughter and trying to kill Stephen Lang which it's very difficult because the daughter is very good at evading them and Stephen Lang is very good at super gluing their mouths. <laughs> there's some there, there's some creative, uh, they're not even kills, just methods of like messing with them, I guess. Yeah, which also raises the question, it's like, why not just kill them, Stephen Lang? Like, that, the super glue would have killed the guy. Eventually. Yeah, but like, I feel like there's a more efficient way of doing this. I imagine he got stumbled upon. He's like, this is what I got right now. That's fair. <laughs> he was super gluing a wound shut at the moment. So yeah. Um, but eventually they do get the daughter. They, they escape. They think he is killed along with a dog they use to hunt him. However, he is alive. And so he gets the dog to follow and them back. The dog has the changed to the blue yes. team instead of the yes. red team. Um, so he gets the dog to follow them back to a hotel where the girl is introduced to her mother and they try to win her over being like, we're a family reunited. Also, we want your heart. Also, we drugged you. Yes. Also, the, the your mother is dying and we have to have your heart because you're like blood related, even though your heart is not like adult size. It's like swapping out an engine, man. You just, it's, it's, a, it's a new lease on life. But luckily, right before they um, are about to cut into her while she is awake, which I imagine would make it very difficult, uh, he cuts the power and then the next, you know, section of him hunting. Sequence. Yeah. And it eventually ends with all of them, everyone getting killed except for the girl. Including Jim Bob. Yeah. We'll talk about Jim Bob. And then the girl escapes. She actually kills, like, uh, the meth father, not the Stephen Lang father. And then goes to a... Her birth orphan father. Yeah. Then goes to an orphanage or a shelter or something. It's like, hey... I'm all bloody and one of my hands has a handcuff and I'm carrying a machete. You guys got an extra spot. And then we sat through credits uh, to see that. Oh, wait, Stephen Lang's uh, actually Probably alive. still alive. Yeah, because we want to keep making these movies. Good synopsis. I mean, yeah, it, there's really not much going on because there are so few set pieces that it's the hunt exposition more hunting so much of the first half happens at that house i was kind of wondering if the whole thing would happen at the house mm -hmm. but no it turns out that just the first and the second act happen there and then the third act happens at the hotel i would say just from a pure action standpoint i think that first half is better than the first movie 
like better. I think it's better shot and better pacing. I think it's really well shot. I was gonna say you were uh, remarking. There's a very long one take when they're setting up the it's, scenes. It's a little masturbatory, but yeah. But I I think it's like super impressive. Just not from like oh they were able to do this in one take, but it just gives the film style that if they're just cutting in between. Oh, we're searching the cupboards. We're searching under the stairwell. Like you get you get a real sense of uh, the set pieces you're gonna go through in this house because it, it's. It's not like a big house or anything. It's just a normal sized house. I'm not impressed by one takes. I'm not either. I'm impressed by one takes if I don't notice them. This definitely wants you to notice it's a one take. But at the same time, it is well executed. I'm not impressed with it because it was a one take. I'm impressed with it because it was able to paint me a better scene of the house than I would have gotten yeah, if they're just showing yeah. separate rooms. You see the girl, Phoenix, walking in between everywhere and evading. It gives you a sense of how good she has gotten due to being trained by Stephen Lang and just what's going on. And I like, you have to avoid. I like how like it's timed out and paced because like it feels like it's happening in real time. Yeah. Which adds like a layer of tension to it. I'm not impressed at anything that happens at the hotel. And it's the hotel is definitely the spectacle driven stuff because yeah. it's it's the stuff where there's water rippling on the floor and there's smoke everywhere and stuff. But it doesn't take me out. I think the problem with the movie, I mean, we already touched on it, is that I don't care. I, like Stephen Lang is a bad person. You can't get invested in yeah. like either of these people's like motives. Yeah. But also like it makes you want to root for Stephen Lang while also having these terrible people. So the whole time I'm like, are y'all trying to make for me the argument that these people are worse than Stephen Lang and how successful are you making it? Well, they are illegal organ transplant traffickers. The doctor is. They are just meth dealers and dealing meth is bad. (laughs) I'm just not sure if it's worse than kidnapping a woman. And yeah, it just kind of goes back to this thing where it's like every time they show them doing something bad, I'm like, these guys are bad people. I'm assuming he did his time. He did get arrested at the end of the other movie, I think. Well, that also raises the question, how long did he stay in prison? Cause there was eight, there's an eight year difference between him picking up this girl and the events of the movie. So how old is this man? He did some pretty serious stuff in Don't Breathe. I imagine he would get quite a bit of time Unless in jail. He was able to turn it around on the jury. True. He was able to, maybe maybe it was Stand a super ground, baby. religious jury. And he's like, I've changed my mind about God. And he has changed God his mind is in this fair. movie. <laughs> or he was lying in the last movie. Like, I don't know. He doesn't have too many terrible monologues in this movie. Like no, he does I mean, at the end of the first. If you can get past his like stupid voice and kind of all the heinous stuff he does, I think you can, it's kind of easy to track his mindset. I'm assuming not too happy being blind or whatever was probably, probably all right. Then his daughter dies. So he snaps a little bit. Mm, he snaps a lot. For purposes of my monologue, snaps. And then like finds a girl he can care for that kind of like gives him a sense of purpose again. So he's like, you know, he's like, oh, maybe life isn't all that bad. Yeah, that doesn't make him with the girl. I'm not not doing this to judge his like character and like whether he's a good person or not. I'm just saying, I think it's easier to follow his mindset than what you were saying. I guess I, I just feel like it's this weird tension between equally bad parties. And then you have this girl in the middle, but she doesn't have like necessarily enough agency for me to root for her. I just want to see her escape. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, it's just a bunch of terrible people killing terrible people. And like when you get down to it, that's a lot of action movies like John Wick. John Wick's a good guy. He was an assassin for the mob. But like, I still want to root for him because he's entertaining. Like, that's all you can. I think Stephen Lang's entertaining. 
Yeah, that that just that's probably, why that's why I'm like, yeah, come on, Stephen Lang, survive this. I want more. Yeah, I'm. I don't like. I don't like his voice. I don't like his. I guess it's a convincing blind performance. I don't ever doubt that he's blind, but I don't think he brings anything else necessarily to the performance. And then of course that's this character. It's like if they completely turned around, it's like, hey, Freddy Krueger in, in the second one is actually the good guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I still think it's a very questionable choice to make uh, Stephen Lang the, pr- the protagonist So do we instead want, of the antagonist. Do we want to talk about the ensemble? Because I don't think anyone here is good, but I think they are better than the first movie's ensemble. I'm going to fight you on that one, but okay. Uh, well, let's start. Throw your first punch. They, these guys are playing hinchies. They like do nothing. They're just playing hinchies. They don't have to try as hard. So I guess that means if you're judging it based on how convinced you were that they were hinchies. The main bad guy. I think he is entertaining in how evil he is. He, he flip-flops too much for me. First scene, dishonorably discharged from a dishonorable, like he just comes off as a crazy yeah. at first. And then it's like, oh no, he's a sympathetic father. It's like, I, and maybe- Oh, you know, I was I, never sympathizing with him. <laughs> I wasn't either because I'm like, no, they, they they killed this, uh, his like friend, war vet friend or whatever. And they're doing like stupid stuff too. And then, and then he's like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually a methodical leader and stuff. He's changing personalities depending on what context they need him to be. I don't know. I was entertained by him. And then of course the other main one is Jim Bob. The one who's in all the trailers who is, you lead to believe is the main bad guy from the trailers. Yeah. He has a, before we knew his name was Jim Bob. We called him haircut because yeah. he has a very silly looking mullet. And he he's like given some depth because like Stephen Lang kills his brother early on. And he like he has a character uh, quirk, which is that he likes killing people with hammers. In that sense, like these are more memorable because I feel like they all have a gimmick to them. Like this is the strong guy. This is the hammer guy. This is the guy who got his mouth super glued together. This is the dog guy. Then at the end, I don't remember any of the other ones except for the main dad and Jim Bob and then Jared because we were talking about him. Yeah, because he had his mouth glued <laughs> shut. That's, but there's that's like very four memorable. other guys. Well, there's the dog guy and he's the one at the end who's like, I, I think they're doing a bad thing actually. You I didn't know it was the same person. And then there's uh, the big guy that he fights at the beginning who's just kind of heavy. And then there's four people who just suddenly show out of nowhere. But I could not tell you a single thing about any of the characters from the first movie. And I feel like they were trying harder to make me remember them. And maybe that's why I like these people more. I don't think they were. I would argue, but I can't remember them. Of the three people who are in that movie, two of the majority, one for 10 minutes... Yeah, one of them dies. Really one of them quick. dies immediately. So you just have two people you have to follow. Which you is have also Jane Levy and uh, Thirteen Reasons Why guy. Which I also think for like a slasher is probably not a smart idea. But I get there in an enclosed space. Yeah, are you looking them up? Yeah, Dylan Minetti and then Daniel Zavada, who is their friend who gets killed early on. Yeah, who jerk. I remember, who I remember liking the most, just in the sense that's like, oh, you're bringing something to the table. The other two are such white bread. That's just everything is kind of bouncing off them here. Like, I feel like things stick. I guess these are just, <laughs> these are just unrealistic. I feel like, Oh they, yes, they are. They're very, unrealistic. they're very unrealistic in this one. So I guess you have more to like latch onto. And the other one, I think they were trying to go for a more realistic take on it. Yeah. And I never felt that Stephen Lang was that realistic in the first one. So I feel like matching the unrealism with the people he's fighting is more interesting. See, I think they dumbed down Stephen Ling in this one to where he's like acting a little more realistic and then you have him going up against more unrealistic bad guys. Maybe. I The other problem here is that like my instinct is to compare this to the first one, even though, and this is why I hate comparative criticism. I don't remember the first one. It was a movie and then 
that one scene happened and like all of my knowledge of the movie <laughs> got sucked into that scene. <laughs> Does have that effect. Is there anything else that stuck out to you about this sequel? No, it's just another, it's like another one of these movies where it's not trying, I don't think it's trying to be anything else than like what it gives you. I was more entertained than I thought I would based on the premise. I was too. They, I think they did a really good job in the house starting off. I, I, I started to waver a little bit once I got to the hotel. That first hour at the house was pretty good. I think the other thing that bugs me about this is I'm, I'm very confused at like what the world outside of Stephen Lang's universe is. It feels very like they, like they are the only people alive. There's this movie called green room, which I actually want to show you because it's about a, like this hardcore Patrick punk Stewart's bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you might enjoy it, but it's out in this kind of remote venue that is like this place where skinheads go to listen to punk music. And so it makes sense that no one else is interacting with the rest of the world here. It just doesn't. I don't think this movie's asking me to ask questions about the world building. It's just asking me to look at what I'm seeing and if I enjoy it or not. Yeah, but I'm not taking this movie on its own terms. <laughs> Do you think this movie is improved by not seeing the first one? Yes, drastically. Solely because of the Stephen Lang thing? Or I also- mean, he talks about it. Like, he's like, I've raped, I've killed, it's like, uh. Like, he, I think he's come to accept his mistakes as a character, but yeah, you don't have the... He work, he work, He just works better as an antagonist, I feel like. Yeah. So would you be excited with a third one? I'd say one more, just to finish it. I don't know what they're going to... I didn't know... I didn't want a second one. Yeah. But if they're going to keep making them... How does he get a daughter in this one? <laughs> <laughs> I've decided to go through the proper means of adoption. Yeah, I'd be down, I'd be down for at least one more. It's, I think Stephen Ling's a good presence as a bad... As a blind badass. Yeah, I... I don't want to see the third one. And if we, if podcast is still going whenever it comes out, if it comes out, cause I don't think it's Give been it another announced. five years. Yeah. I don't think it's been announced, but uh, probably likely. Well, this is one of the moves that'll make its budget back during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the few, like, even if the podcast is still going, like I'll probably be forced to see it, but I imagine I'll leave this movie and not remember much about it. You were forced to see this one. I don't, I don't think the next one will be any different. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I kind of, they were doing something at the end where he blinds the bad guy, and I was like, oh, and the bad guy will become the don't breathe of, of the third movie. And I kind of wish that that's what they did, because especially... Every movie they blind someone and they're the protagonist of the next one. Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't want the, I don't think these movies will be good, so I want them to do something weird. But also, what happened to him? How did he survive? What happens to him in this movie? That that's what I want. I just want a two hour explanation of how a person can survive this. I feel like that missed all the vital organs. It just went right between them. Every time he got stabbed, like the nine times that happened in this movie, he's the luckiest man alive. He, since he, he has a good, really good hearing. So he can hear where the knife's going and adjust his body right as it is about to go in. So it's like, ah, yeah, it's missed the vitals. We got to rate it. Yes, we do. It's fine. It's bad. Okay. But it's better than the first one. I think it's a little worse than the first one. Actually, no, I won't say it's bad because that first half in the house is pretty entertaining action. If you're, if you are just here to see like some dieharding around a house, you could definitely do worse. First one's like a six. This one's like a five. It's just a little bit worse just because I feel like he works better as an antagonist than a protagonist. I would agree with you there, but this one does not have a scene that completely ruins (laughs) this film and like the future of the franchise. So... All right. Well, thank y'all for listening to Don't Breathe 2, the Hot Trash Unlimited edition. I hope you did not breathe during the entirety of the film. 